Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the TKW podcast. It's Thanksgiving morning. We are recording before the wine and the uh, stuffing and the turkey and whatnot comes out. Uh, I'm Anthony Corbo. I've got Kyle Maggio here with me. What's going on, buddy? Happy Thanksgiving to you and everybody else listening. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to you as well, man. And... Uh, we are coming into the uh, coming into the holiday pretty stoked. I mean, we got a big Celtics win to celebrate last night. Um, some things looked legit, very good there. I don't, do. Do you have any uh, any hot points you wanted to drop at the very start here? Just really quickly, because we're going to probably spend a lot of time talking about the Trey Burke aspect of the game. Um, one thing that I enjoyed was. Kevin Knox, not just, again, scoring in double digits, but uh, showing a little bit of, of assertion with the rebounding prowess. He finished with nine rebounds yesterday, so that was encouraging. Um, he was three of five from the field. He got to the line four times. So those are the kinds of games that I'd expect him to have and that I'd hope for him to have. So that was like a small encouraging thing for me. He mostly got rolling in the second half there, but... That was something I liked, and his Noah stroke? Vonley. Oh was, yeah, yeah. Was it? No, no, and, and Vonley was just a terror. I mean, his defensive versatility was on full display yesterday. He, not just in the the shots he swatted, which were three, but uh, he was a menace on the defensive boards. He was shooting from outside a little bit again. Um, just he's got a nice little inside out game as a stretch four, and his switchability on D is something that's it's really useful for a lot of teams in this league. So it's fun that we get to watch that night in and night out on a pretty bad team here. So seeing him do well again, cause he had a pretty damn good game against his former team, the Blazers the other night that, you know, seeing him just continue to do work against good teams uh, as he's done all year is, has been something that's really fun. So outside of that, um, and you know, Tim, Timmy had a, a bad game mm-hmm. by his stre- uh, mm-hmm. standards lately. Eight of 19 from the field, and he still finished with a 21, four and four in uh, almost 38 minutes of play. So outside of that, uh, what did you see? So, yeah, you could tell that Knox is looking really good out there. His three point shot, it looks good. He looks really confident in it. He looks like he is. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's the shots are falling for him. It looks like it's parlaying over, you know, the more confidence that he's going to be able to build. I think the more shots he's going to be able to take, the better shots he's going to take. And he just looks like he fit into the flow of an offense pretty well. Um, Tim Hardaway, I did think did look a little bit minimized. He wasn't really out there for the stretches that he normally gets hot in. But, you know, it's mostly due to Trey Burke having such a, you know, an overwhelming offensive performance and just other guys cooking. And But to what you were saying about, uh, about Vonley, I think that and I was saying this last night in the chat, and I think kind of last night helped me realize, but I think rim protection is this team's biggest asset uh, moving forward. I think that like it's it's the one thing that this team really has a 
is actually has a strength in compared to either just being like mediocre or below average at every other thing on the court. Like hey, you have, how funny is that? That that's I know. KP. I like, know. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. Even it's just like you got Mitchell Robinson who already is like a terror down there. Clyde was even saying last night that he is like he's all nobody wants to go inside because he's down there. Like he's already that kind of a interior threat, and he's what was this 16, 17 games into his career, you know, like that's, that's incredibly impressive. And, you know, he doesn't have a ton else that you can say he can do night in and night out with this game right now. But like just having that one big fast right there is huge. And then you add Noah Vonley onto that, who is not always a rim protecting force, but last night certainly uh, proved to be and has the physical gifts to be as well. And then you even have long guards like Frank Nielakina, who if he's taking someone to the rim, if they're driving, he can absolutely block their shot before it goes up. So, it, and, I, and then, and then like you were saying too, it's just, that's without KP being in there even. So I think this is a very legitimate strength to look at moving forward with Knicks. It, it is. And it, just, I'll, I'll repeat, it just makes me laugh because we thought for sure. And we knew what Mitchell Robinson could potentially bring. And we knew what Von Lake could potentially bring, but how good they've been at rim protection with guys who are slated to be fringe or backup or uh, have minimal roles to them for them to step in and not only be good at it, but almost elite at it. If you're going to be a guy like Robinson is when he's not fouling. And again, there's going to be inconsistencies all year, but when he's not fouling, I mean, he's in there for like 15, 20 minutes and he's black on like three or four shots. Now, one little stat I wanted to lay on everybody, uh, courtesy of our, Jack Huntley, uh, he, you can follow him on Twitter at Nick's underscore nuance. Mitchell Robinson's block percentage after last night was 9.6%. The other players that have done that are Hassan Whiteside in 2015-16. Manute Bowl, who did it seven times, so, you know, that's obvious. Um, Serge Ibaka in, in uh, 2011-2012. Alonzo Mourning in 05-06. John Mickelvane or sorry, Jim, Jim McIlvain in 9596, to which Jack said who, and John mm-hmm. Henson in 1516. So he's in some good company. Yeah, there. definitely. And it's just, we talked about it in the summer league, and we've tried to throw a wet blanket on it, and there's going to be games like, you know, the ones last week where he struggles and he comes in for five minutes and fouls three times, and then he sits on the bench for most of the rest of the games. There's going to be a lot of games like that this year. He's learning, but... When he's not doing that, we've seen his instincts on full display, the ones that we saw in summer league and the preseason that were so encouraging. And um, it's just a, it's just a joy. It's just, and it, to me, it's just not that it was unexpected, but it's unexpected that it was this good, this quick. So yeah, that that's just, and to do it against Boston, well, in that's, Boston, yeah. while they're supposed to be a contender or we're supposed to be a tanking team. I will gladly put the tank on hold anytime we play Boston I, I agree. Let, let's kind of let's let's pull back on all the details real quick because we got to get into we haven't even like they kicked the shit out of Boston last night. And like there was definitely moments where it, it got very close and it got very scary, especially at the end there. And Boston had a bunch of runs in them in that second half that they were able to go on. But all, all in all, I mean, the Knicks were holding like a 26 point lead at certain points of the game. Like that's insane this year against Boston. Like this was a throwaway game. I I, don't, I think everyone kind of knew that they could tune out of this game last night because they, you know, they could just go to the bar, they could go do their thing, they could uh, 
you know, it's it, everyone's going out. No one really thought to pay attention to this Knicks game. And then all of a sudden they, you know, they put a wallop on Boston and I just, it, it was just good to see. It's good to see in front of the Boston crowd. Uh, like you said, the, the, I'm all for the tank, but it's like, it's really these games and Boston especially, but really with any kind of, you know, high profile team that they're going up against when they're showing me like cohesiveness on the court and like, they're showing me that, you know, this Knicks lineup is showing me that they have, they have, you know, teammates that they mesh well with out there and they're, you know, able to get up and down the floor and transition and they actually can like, you know, run at least decent pick and roll sets with each other. It's like, I, I want them to win those games. I get encouraged by those games. The whole point is for them to be getting better out there over the course of this year. I'll put the tank on hold for them to win the games where I see them being very engaged in and very competitive in. And last night was definitely one of them. And they, they really just willed themselves to victory against the Celtics group. They're known to be struggling right now. Yeah. I just, it, it'll always be fun. It'll always be encouraging when they beat Boston, especially when Boston's good. Uh, uh, ben Simmons noted, and, and he, he leans into it. So I know everyone likes to slam him for being a homer, but that's, that's his brand. That's he does it on purpose. It, it's his thing. Um, I don't think he's as delusional as everybody makes him out to be. I'm pretty sure he just does it on purpose for the sake of content, but sometimes it comes back to bite him in the ass. Like when they drafted, uh, I think his name, that kid, uh, James young. Wait, to be, little... to be clear, you're talking Bill Simmons, right? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, when he did the little fist pump, the national TV, cause he thought he got this sensational prospect. And then, you know, young flamed out relatively quickly. Yeah. Had a bounce around to the G league and that, but then this summer he goes, uh, or right before the season started, he, he was on, uh, that show with Jalen and Jacoby. And he was talking about the Celtics season outlook. And he said, the Celtics going to win 67 games. Take the over. They're going to take, they're going to win 67 games. And we, I, I don't know. A, it's you. just a preposterous number to predict. It, it, it is. It is. Look, if you would have said over 60, sure. I, I, sure. But yeah. 67 is, is bordering Greatest team ever territory. That's like, that's now, now you're in the bulls and, and the warriors range. Right. It, like it's just not there. The warriors with their struggles this year might not may even make 67. And you think that Boston can do it with far worse struggles. Yeah. And so it, it's always enjoyable because then all summer, um, all over Twitter, we had Celtics analysts, Celtics fans parading around saying this team was going to be, is clearly the best team in the East. Toronto can't compete. Philly can't compete. Um, th- this was going to be a cakewalk back to the Eastern Conference Finals. There's too much talent. Gordon Hayward's back mixed with what we saw last year. Kyrie's healthy. Um, <laughs> they get and put in the Trey Burke blender. And they get put, they, it was a beatdown in Beantown by Trey Burke. I mean, it is just. It's uh, wild. It's, it, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it is you, beautiful. You got, you got beat by mid-range Trey. And now we can start to talk about Trey Burke. Trey Burke had 29 points in 32 minutes. He had six rebounds, 11 assists, two steals. He was 11 of 20 from the field, which is 55%. He was three of three from the line, four of six from deep, which I want to circle back to that in a second. Yep. But um, bold threes. When when we went to media day, I, I specifically asked Trey Burke and I said, are you looking to change your shot profile up this year? Because the mid range while good is typically not, you know, at the rate which you hit it last year, isn't a sustainable rate. So are you looking to step back behind the three point line a little bit? 
you know, to kind of evolve your offense a little bit and hopefully grow and, and grow as a player and help this team a little bit more because it's something that, you know, they need to be doing. And he said, yeah, he said, yeah, I'm absolutely looking to do that. And it, you always got to take those things with a grain of salt because a lot of times players will say things that they don't actually mean. It's a nice sound bite. You know, they always want to say they worked on their game or they worked on uh, things they want to do for the future. But Trey has, uh, and I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I'm just pulling it up now to make sure. But he is, in fact, shooting uh, threes at a higher clip this year. And hmm. now I have the numbers in front of me. So uh, where is it? So last year he shot. Well, actually, he's mostly on part. It's about the same. It's about the same. But what's interesting to me about his field goal percentage is the slight uh, downshift from an unsustainable, you know, fifty point three percent last year. You know, in his thirty six games to now, you know, sixteen games into the season, he's shooting forty seven. But even with the you know three percent drop in accuracy from the field overall, his three point percentage has gone up even slightly. So it, it's it's an interesting case to see. I think we're looking at potentially a more sustainable Trey Burke now. He just looks. I, I mean, last year he looked pretty patient as well. He, he to, this is the thing to me is that what's surprising is he mostly looks like the same guy as he did last year, and I think that's what's surprising. And right, I think, right, right. That's exactly it because and, no one thought it could continue. And as far as the threes go, while he's shooting about half a three more per game on the season, but the last three games, he's upped it. So uh, last night in Boston, he was four of six from deep. So he had six attempts. The The game in Portland the night before, he was three of five. So six and five attempts are always good. You want to see that amount. And then in Orlando, he was one of seven from deep, which is not accurate. But the fact that he's willing to take this many threes consistently, and it's it seems to be an effort to take those threes. Cause last night he was making a conscious effort on a lot of those steps yeah. to really get behind the line where, you know, normally he would create some space and just take that mid range. But last night he was creating some space and then stepping way back behind the three point. And he, he adjusted as the game went on too. Cause I'm not even going to lie. Like I was, I was very frustrated with watching Trey Burke play the start of the game because while Boston was very stagnant to come out of the gate too, you know, I, the Knicks were starting to capitalize on it, and Trey Burke was still, you know, just running, just pounding the ball into the ground, you know, not looking at the rim until he's, you know, in the paint already and surrounded by defenders and not being able to find the passing lane. And I even wrote down when I was uh, taking a couple of notes during the game, I'm just like, this dude looks like he has no court vision. Alonzo Trier was making better passes than him to start the game. And then all of a sudden, it just seemed to click for him. And, you know, not even... Not even very uh, showingly or anything, but just kind of quietly slipped into his offense and, you know, started being able to space the ball well. There were still definitely a lot of moments out there, especially in the third when the Celtics started getting on their run and kind of into the fourth a bit where I could see the momentum slipping away from the Knicks and that led to a lot more Trey Ball just pounding the rock into the ground, which you really don't want to see and just not looking for the proper pass, just looking to score himself and everything which has obviously been effective the last couple of games, but uh, he ended up pulling it all together. He had 11 assists last night. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think anytime I could see him as a passer or you know as a real floor general, that's when I'm going to get most excited. I know he can score. I can believe in him scoring at this point. He's played 52 games with the Knicks so far. I think we see what he is and see what he's capable of. I think it's honestly pretty real. Um, so as long as he finds himself, as long as they can figure out where he needs to be, whether it's starting, whether it's coming off the bench, like who he's going to be playing with. I think there's a lot of factors that play into what make Trey Burke's game, you know, work for him. So let's one, let's hopefully see, hope they, they can figure out something that maintains this success pretty soon. Yeah. So over his last four games, Burke is averaging about 26 points per game and he's shooting. This is where it's going to sound unsustainable again. So now he's shooting as a whole from the field. He's like, it's roughly 57, 58% from the field. So yeah. I mean, that's preposterous for a guard, like right, uh, right. a good, a good, a good shooting number for a guard from the field is like mid to high forties. Cause you know, you're going to be taking a lot of perimeter shots, a lot of contested shots. That's just any guard. You can some minimize it for sure. But unless you're Kevin Durant, like shooting 50% plus as a guard is not something that you expect to do regularly. So Trey Burke, the mid range guard shooting 57 ish percent from the field is just absolutely preposterous. But Either way, last night, another good thing about him, too, was just the the playmaking. Because after right. you, you said about his adjusting, so that was nice as well. I agree. Um, and it's just fun. And I think the strangest part of me enjoying this is that all the guards so far that uh, Fisdale's been trotting out and trying to rotate and try, um, they've all had these spurts of good play. And it seems like they're just taking over at different times. So... Frank had his I, I, I would, little spurt to start the year. Yeah. What were you going to say? No, no, I would. I was just going to kind of say I agree with that. I think that Burks has been the most explosive. Uh, he's had a couple of different you know points where his offense has just burst out and then, you know, gone away. So that's what we have to look out for. But continue what you were saying about the other guards. No, I just think it's funny how, um, you know, we, we kind of thought for sure, not that it would be a slam dunk that Frank would start and exceed everybody, but mm-hmm. we thought it was going to be a slam dunk in the sense that this was a developmental year. Frank will probably get the starting nod. And, Which, but, again, only 16 or however many games into the season at this point. Right. So. right. But then it, it's just funny. how You know, they gave Frank the reins. They started him out in the wing. Then they bump him over to point guard. Frank plays pretty well in that stretch. And then uh, pretty miserably in his starting stretch after that, those little five game bits of, of starting the, the former half was good. The latter half was bad, but then there's a little bit of a transition period where nobody's making a lot of noise. And then Moody comes back in and Moody has this three or four game stretch. And I wanted to touch on Moody today too, briefly because yep. he's played outside of last night where he didn't really do a whole hell of a lot, which he didn't have to because there were it, even still some moments and surprisingly on the defensive end where I saw Moody come to life last night. But, and I just want to go on. The reason I wanted to bring this up was twofold. One, because he actually deserves obviously very clearly in my opinion um, to be talked about. But the other thing is we spent a lot of time last, uh, last year at, for good reasons. And then this summer predicting that he would be um, terrible and not very good. And even in the preseason, we did it. And, you know, the beginning of the regular season, I was joking around about his injury being fake because they're probably going to cut him or move him. And he's come back in and he's been pretty damn good. 
I mean, offensively, it's it's is always the easiest thing to pick out, and you know he's scoring a double digits pretty regularly. He's been pretty damn efficient. He's shooting over fifty percent this season. Um, you know, it, and it's just uh, he seems like he's nice. Yeah, he seems like he's kind of fitting in a little bit. Like he he has been one of the more steady passers on this team, and in moments when the offense really starts to stagnate out there, he seems to have been he seems to be Fizdale's answer. Um, you know, he really whips the ball around. His assist yeah. numbers don't show it, but it's very, it's night and day when you see him in versus when you see Frank and Trey Birkin. And I know yeah, Burke had a nice assist night last night, but I just mean generally speaking. Burke is still such an attack first kind of presence that right. other guys can stand to, can uh, stand, tend to stick around when he's just kind of uh you know pounding that ball in. But you know, again, again, it, it's about how he adjusts and how he's able to control that. And Moutier at the same, you know, has to do the same thing. Like he he has like one move under the basket, and it's like he kicks his leg out. He does like a you know windmill kind of around the around the basket layup. And you know, other other than that, it's he's just basically whipping the ball around the court, like you said, which is good in moments when you need to get it unstuck. But it's definitely not beneficial all the time. Um, and and then with Frank, you just see like. I actually, I was pretty impressed with Frank last night. He was still kind of under the radar, but he did have uh, have a couple of plays, especially in the third and fourth, and especially defensively, where he was able to seal that victory, I felt, for the Knicks. There's one play where uh, Celtics got a steal and were going on a fast break, and it was just Horford and Frank up the court, and Frank just locked him up and stopped the ball from going in. And it's just plays like that, that like Frank is just falling into that niche as this team's you know primary defender. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll take that while I wait for the offense to come along. There's, you know, there's so many other question marks on this team that are not going to get solved just because Frank Fidelikina suddenly figures out this game. Uh, you know, give me that, give me that elite level defense right now. And then we'll, we'll work towards everything else. I know that I've been a big proponent, especially early in the season of sort of, uh, mocking people who thought he wasn't a point guard. But I just, I, I, again, I, my Twitter persona is I like to have a lot of jokes, like to have a lot of fun. But on the pod, I like to be more realistic and uh, kind of really fact check it a little bit. And honestly, when I watch Frank sometimes, I I can see the off-ball wing argument so clearly. And that's kind of what I saw last night. And, yeah. and it, the thing is, as much as I believe He's better suited to play the point guard as much as I want him to succeed at that position. Um, if his strengths ultimately end up being that he's just a Swiss army knife who plays three different positions and plays them all pretty well. And, and his offense slowly comes along. And if, if that's what this ends up being, I'm fine with that. I'm I'm fine with that too. Given what you're getting on defense, he yeah. has base. He's got some basic playmaking chops that we see from time to time. But I mean, the biggest thing is it'll always be the scoring. If he's yeah. going to, he just needs to score 10 to 12 consistently a night mm-hmm. with his defense. And then that'll be enough to to really make significant impact on both ends. Cause it's tough sometimes when, you know, defense opposing teams can sort of game plan around you to a certain degree. You know, they can, we saw it with Kawhi in San Antonio two years ago and what teams would do with, would be they'd almost push Kawhi's matchup to a corner or they try to isolate uh, a certain action to get Kawhi away from the ball. And 
you can sort of do that with Frank sometimes, but when you're, you know, able to impact the game offensively as well, I mean, you can't, you can't do that. So, um, uh, ultimately I, I just, I hope he succeeds. It doesn't matter really what the position is, but I agree with you though. Like my, my thinking is that I don't really care where Frank, you know, however he, he progresses is fine. Do you know how rare it is to get a defender that can comfortably guard, you know, three spots and even do it at an elite level some nights. And we'll see where he even can progress to like that. That's an incredible tool for the Knicks to have, even if he comes off the bench, like even if he doesn't end up being a starter long-term for this team and he just gives, you know, goes out there and gives you 20 hard defensive minutes, like that's going to be really valuable for the Knicks moving forward. And though it's, it's hard to find those kinds of players out there. And if that's what Frank is, that's what Frank is. Um, but there are other points of his game that have been coming along. Like you were saying, the, uh, you know, he's got some playmaking chops. We want to see him be able to look more confident when displaying those last night. He was kind of pulling up on some shots last night and that was pretty encouraging too. There's one where I saw him dribble, uh, you know, dribble through a screen and I kind of get some open space in the mid range and he actually pulled up on that jumper. Uh, there's another play where he, you know, he came off the screen and rolled to the rim and like had just a, a gorgeous finish at the rim because he has huge arms and he's like friggin' tall for a point guard. So like he's got the tools to be a good, you know, interior player. He's got, the, he's got the tools to be able to really shoot and score and, you know, play from anywhere on the court. It's just, he seems so hesitant to do so. And, uh, yeah, and the, yeah no, go ahead. I was going to say the last thing on the defensive point that you brought up too was, um, there was at least, three specific plays where you could directly attribute the, you know, defensive stop to Frank defending. There was that Horford fast break that you brought up. There was another possession where he just absolutely put the clamps on Tatum, who is grossly, grossly elusive for his age. And um, basically Tatum tried to do like a little post up and then he couldn't get anywhere in Frank. So he tried to do a little, you know, outward spin to get to the top of the key and then, uh, hit, you know, shoot a little fadeaway jump shot and Frankie stuck with them, you know, didn't block the shot, but I mean, just contested it heavily and it was a miss. And then there was the end of the first when the Celtics were trying to get it up court quickly and Hayward came down, you know, kind of pumped Frankie. Frankie didn't go for it. He tried to take Frankie and Frankie didn't, you know, allow him to come in again. So then, uh, Hayward had to, you know, uh, be forced to a step back jumper, which Frank contested heavily. And it was, a you know, brick by Hayward. And it's just like when you're making direct impact like that, it's very, very obvious, but it it just makes you salivate a little bit because it's just like, God damn it, bro. Just, just 10 points, just 10 to 12 points. You're so close. Yeah. Just, and, and my only real worry with him is, is his confidence. And the reason I bring that up is, is him and Knox seem to suffer from that same kind of thing where they both sort of, disappear offensively sometimes mm-hmm. and having two of those guys can be, and I don't want to worry about Knox too soon because he's still like, this is his first like stretch of, of real NBA time without the injuries. And um, he's mostly looked pretty good inefficient at times, struggling at times, but mostly pretty good. Mm-hmm. And at least for the standards that I had for him, I don't know about you, but he's kind I mean, he's kind of on par with it, but, it's just you notice these times when I think in the Orlando game, like Knox just 
you, if I told you Knox didn't play, you probably would have believed me. They you both, know, they like, just both that, the, the two of them have like this tendency to when their shots aren't falling or when they, you know, make a couple of mistakes out there as expected when they're both, you know, below 20 or 20 and below, uh, they tend to just, you know, try to fit into an offense or try to kind of be invisible and stay out of the way out there instead of, you know, hounding the ball instead of attacking, uh, which is really the big difference, I think, in what in why Trey Burke can put up so many points like that. Versus, you know, why these other guys can't. They have different games, but when he starts to struggle, he starts attacking. He becomes more active out there. When they start struggling, they get very passive. And that's that's a big, that's, a, that's definitely a big point they need to correct in their games. Yep. Um, so I'm just trying to pull up the schedule here. Just yep. want to go over well, who's re- upcoming. Real quick, before we get into that, I wanted to talk about this starting lineup real quick before we get too far off of this game. So we had uh, we had Hazonia come in. We had Cantor make it back in the starting lineup. Um, and then we had Moutier, we had Hardaway, and we had Vonley. So seems like of all the players who were in there, you know, Vonley might have even had the biggest impact last night, uh, or at least you know showed the most uh, the most effort out there. And then you had Hardaway, like we said, an impactful yet quiet game compared to what we uh, have recognized from him. Cantor had some moments last night too, and I'm not I don't really have too much bad to say about him. It's Hisonia that really is interesting to me because he seemed to he basically had a DMP besides starting both you know five minutes on both halves. So. Um, what, what, what's going on with these crazy starting lineups that Fizz been rolling out these DMPs? Well, and what, what, what's he doing here? Well, first of all, I'm going to step right in for Matt here. Who's absent today. And, sure. uh, Mario Hazonia stinks, stinks and it, it, it just stinks. And it pains me. Um, I think it pains. It didn't pain Matt. I, I don't think Matt was ever in on Hazonia, and I don't think I was ever in on Hazonia either, but I thought he'd be. An interesting and fun player. Uh, Given the benefit he of the played doubt. A lot at the four. Yeah, he played over 50% of his minutes at the four last year in Orlando, which seemed to be part of the reason for his resurgence last year. And I was hopeful that in a more up-tempo system with Fisdale playing the same position, even though it's a tank year, that the roster isn't too talented around him, I thought we'd see more out of him. And he has just been just brutal. To be honest with you, he looks lost on both ends of the floor. He's unaware of where to really fit in or how to fit in. Um, He's trying to make things happen offensively as a playmaker like he did in Orlando, and it's just simply not working out here. Um, He seems confused or has a lack of confidence when he does do things a lot of times. We We see certain games. It's like one out of every five or six games that he plays where he seems to just make clear cut, simple decisions. You know, he, if he's going to go and and drive to the rack, he's driving right to the rack and he's going to finish. And then there's other games where he drives to the rack and suddenly he hesitates and double clutches and then looks to kick out, but then decides to shoot at the last second. So he he tries to think way too hard about his game sometimes. And he just ends up getting stuck. It's, it's detrimental at this point. Um, I don't see how, well, any of the minutes that he's really played, I don't see how you can justify playing him 
almost at all, to be honest with you. And as you know, um, and you're also in on this, we've been big Damian Dotson fans, yep. you know, whole team dot. And it just seems inevitable at this point that, you know, Fizdale's just kind of given his own, his, his tryout as he's done with all the players this year. His own, the 12th different Nick to mm-hmm. start this season in the starting lineup. So Fizdale is uh, definitely spreading that around. He's trying to give everybody a chance and then eliminate everybody from it. Yeah. I guess he's going to, so, he's going to start pulling people back soon. Is, is this basically like his last, because I, I keep saying we're 16 games in, but we're actually 19 games in, which shows you how fast things are moving. And, uh, but like, it, does this mean that, you know, Fizz is kind of looking at this like his last stand here? You know, he's, he's making his, this is kind of the last few crazy starting lineups and DMPs he's going to roll out and, you know, playing most of the roster every night before he really starts to uh, shorten uh, up his rotations. I think so. I mean, there's a quote he's on record as saying that around game 25 or so, he wants to have a yeah. set starting lineup. And to me, I, I honestly got out of, while I think they should roll with Frank for developmental purposes, considering Moutier and Burke likely won't be here next year. I wouldn't be surprised by whoever he chooses for the point guard spot, but it really seems clear as day to me who's going to go with the rest of the lineup. I mean, he already made, he's done some foreshadowing, right? So he says that he's not going to start Mitchell Robinson uh, for the foreseeable future. This was another quote because, you know, his tendency to foul too quickly, he gets in the game, he picks up two quick fouls more often than he doesn't. And then he's got to take a seat to the end of the first half. And so we know Cantor's going to be back in, right? And we know Tim Hardaway Jr. is going nowhere from the starting lineup. So that's two out of the five. And then, honestly, to me, it just looks like Knox is playing well enough that they're going to keep him in somehow. So I think Knox is going to get the four. But outside of that, I mean, Dotson's got to got to start. Unless see, Courtney Lee comes back, but even even still, I, I don't see how he fits in anymore. And I don't either. His own, he's done nothing to to prove that he deserves not only a starting spot, but really mu- any playing time. So, to me, it, it's got to be some sort of Timmy. It's going to be some sort of Timmy, Dotson, Knox, Cantor, and then whoever he decides to to roll with at point. But I, I just don't. See, we saw such a dominant stretch. From yeah. Dotson, when he was uh, playing significant minutes and starting, he, he had in his last couple of games, he tailed off a little bit with the scoring. But, yeah, I mean, the what we saw as a whole was in a, on both sides of the ball was inevitable. And it's just there, there's nothing his has done to warrant taking that spot from him going forward. Well, to be fair, I do feel like this is his last start. Um, and, you know, last he might get some some decent minutes off the bench and stretches moving forward. But. I think this this was probably his last chance to become a significant part of this rotation. I, I just don't see it happening for him. With as far as Dotson is concerned, I I am okay with the move of removing him from the starting lineup. And I I actually think that Fizz is gonna be rolling out a lineup of, you know, probably Burke at point guard, but insert whoever, maybe Moutier. Um, and then you got Tim Hardaway. I think Knox is gonna be at the three, and I think they're gonna stick with Vonley in the starting lineup. Uh, and then go canter afterwards. It's not ideal, but it seems to be that Fizz likes that lineup, and there are games where it works, like uh, you know, like last night's game. So I, I, I think that I understand Dotson coming out of the starting lineup, and 
I, I just don't understand the DMPs. I don't understand how you, how you can't even work this guy into the rotation after he came out so hot and then started to tail off, which makes me think that he'll be back you know, within the next couple of games or so. But it's I, I, I could see him more. I could see more of Knox starting at the three, which seems to make more sense to me, given where he should be naturally playing at this point um, and seeing a slightly bigger front court going out there. See, I wouldn't. I'm not really that hung up on the DNPs just because of the way Fizdale's handled this right, right. this situation all year. Yeah, it's just the way he's done things isn't the way of like a traditional team trying to win. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they've talked about development and talked about basically trying guys out. And they this was an experimental year. And the way he's coached has largely reflected that because he'll purposefully make decisions that aren't maybe the wisest. A lot of times I'm not trying to just give him the, the full benefit of the doubt because there's some times when he's clearly trying to win and makes a, an incorrect choice. But, um, you know, just when a guy like Dotson comes in and for five or six or seven straight games is scoring, you know, 14 to 15 plus points, giving you five or six rebounds of playing stout defense, uh, shooting the hell out of the ball from deep. And then he, he goes right back to the bench. DNPs, there's no way that they're punishing him. You know what I mean? It's like there there have to be conversations behind closed doors that are just like, hey, we're not sitting you because you stink. You know what kind of a season this is. I'm going to give Mario 100%. Yeah. And then if he just to see what he's got and then like, you know what I mean? Like the results are too too in your face. They're too obvious. So for certain guys like that, like for Timmy, obviously he's bowling out of his mind. Of course he's going to stay. Of course. You know, Dotson, he finally gets his chance and he just kills it. Both sides of the ball on the glass. Of course he's going to be back in to some degree. So once that that's, I know we've had fun all year. Every time a new starting lineup comes out, I'll tweet something like I feel nauseous or let's get weird. Or So, I mean, it, it's been fun to see the experimenting, sometimes stressful, but Ultimately, I think we can actually start critiquing after that 25-ish game mark when he starts yeah. to really make a decision. So I don't want to get too panicky. No, I but it's important to recognize it. now. It, it is because I hate seeing it too. Like, Dotson's my guy. He it, And when a guy like that, a young guy like that, comes in and just kills it, and not just kills it because you could always shoot well for stretches, but the constant activity and effort as a guard to make sure, well, I mean, he played the three, but he's a two slash three, the the effort to always hit the glass as a young wing, you know, to, to make sure like, look, I'm young. I got to make the most of these minutes. I got to find ways to impact the game, even if I'm not getting the ball. So the way he cuts helps the offense out with the spacing and the ball movement, the way he hits the glass Mm -hmm. helps the team because he plays out of, he plays with like an effort that you see for like a, you know, a six year player or something like that. He just, it, he's got great vision. Exactly. Out there. Exactly. And the, the defensive prowess, he, he's always getting over or under screens. He, he, he's plowing through, he's chasing his guy around the court baseline. Um, he's just kind of a joy to watch out there with the energy that he brings. And it just feels like guys like him, there's no way that they're going to sit on the bench for that yeah. long. So um, I, I hope to see him back sooner rather than later. I think the games are a lot more fun when he's playing, to be honest with you. I think the ball moves better. I think the offense looks better. Just having a guy like that in to space the floor and bring that sort of energy, not from, you know, the, the point guard position or, or somewhere else. So 
And we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's important to kind of keep a look at it. Like this is this is the week where we're going to hit that twenty-five game mark, or what? Yeah, you know, within the next two weeks. Yeah. So this it, is the last week of like the weird experimenting, right? Well, that, the big time experiment. That's point. what's really important to keep an eye on here. Is do the rotations get shorter from here? Do players start to really know their role on this team moving forward? You know, th- this is when we're going to be able to honestly know what this team is going to look like. Yeah, through the rest of the season. Um. But anyway, all right. Do you have anything else uh, you wanted to get to from last night's game? Or you want to just run through the schedule real quick? Um, no, that's about it. Uh, the next game is Friday uh, at MSG. Mm-hmm. They're playing the New New Orleans Pelicans, which, um, yeah, if we remember the last game yeah, in New Orleans good. was pretty fun, and it was a battle. Knicks led most of that game, only to end up losing in the last couple of minutes because Anthony Davis is Anthony he's going to hang another forty-five on us. It's just—I mean, he did it last year at the Garden. I was actually at that game, and he was just—I think he went for forty-five or forty. He's the most destructive the player that the Knicks can go up against. Like they're, they're, whether he's hanging forty-five, whether he's just straight up taking players out. And like, that was when KP was healthy still. It was last January, and he just – it, it it did not matter. He was hitting fadeaways. It, you just simply could not stop that guy. He is so, probably my favorite player in the league right now. Honestly, yeah. Like, not Knicks. He's probably – For a long time now, I've loved Anthony Davis. I I agree. I think my non-Knicks list, it's it's very short, but Dame Lillard's up there. Yes. Uh, Underappreciated. I, I love Anthony Davis, but – um. Boogie Cousins was up there forever too, but mm-hmm. now he's injured. But mm-hmm. anyway, so so we get another we get the rematch with New Orleans on Friday, so that should be good. Um, trying to check the rest of the schedule here. We've got uh, after that we got Grizzlies on Sunday, who are you know surprisingly resurgent. Uh, I'm excited to finally get to see Jaron Jackson Jr. play a little bit. Um, I've heard he's had a great start to his rookie season, so I'm excited for that. Uh, after that, we got Knicks Pistons coming up on Tuesday, the 27th. Um, so another another Blake game that is at Detroit, I believe. Yeah, it looks like a road trip. They're gonna go Memphis, Detroit, yep, yep. Philly, and uh, then they're back home against. Milwaukee and Washington. So, I mean, it's, that's kind of a tough stretch to be honest with you. I don't expect a whole lot of wins, but yeah. um, if you don't expect a whole lot of wins, then you might as well get the rest of the experimenting out of your system. And then, but you know what? That, they didn't expect to beat uh, Boston either. And this is, this is true. Yeah. We'll see if this momentum can kind of carry them over. If they can have a big game against the Pelicans, like that puts them in good position against the Grizzlies. And it just builds up from there. It could well, also I, go the exact opposite direction, but there's a chance at least. After that game against Milwaukee, they have and and Washington is a very talented team that beat the crap out of the Knicks earlier this year. But I want to maintain that they've been struggling. But after that, they have a game at, at Boston, and then there's a very winnable stretch of games after mm, Fisdale had. Yeah, well, Fisdale said around game 25, which is around that Washington game, um, that he's going to have a set starting lineup. He hopes, right? And then after yep. that, we get yeah Brooklyn, from, Brooklyn, yeah. Charlotte, Cleveland. Charlotte again, Indiana, and Phoenix. One game against the Sixers, and then Atlanta. So December's looking pretty good as a whole. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of opportunity for wins there, or at least closer, more exciting games. But um, so what, God, basically, this, ja- what to get this that January out? looks insane, though. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's why Holy December's. Shit. 
December is kind of a, a, a cakewalk, but it'll always bounce out. January was a bitch last year, too. So had, it always happens. It always happens. It always happens. They had a, a nasty road trip last year. I think they played like 17 games total last uh, January. And like, I, I forgot what it was, but it was like 12 or 13 were on the road. It was just brutal. And yeah, January, <laughs> January looks terrible. Oh, that, God, this that, is. That West Coast road trip to start it is brutal. You get Denver, Lakers, Portland, and Golden State. To start off your month, so that's just uh, which goes right into Indiana, who will certainly have it all figured out by then. Into Philly, into Washington, into uh, Oklahoma City, Houston, and then it kind of tails off after that. But god damn, that's crazy looking. Yeah, that's gonna be a a long month of L's. It's but uh, yeah, so I mean, that's that's the outlook. December is gonna be fun, I think. With a set starting lineup and in mostly easy schedule, and then January is going to be brutal. So, um, yeah. unless you got anything else, then we can uh, start to plug a little bit. Well, what do you what What's the spread looking like at uh, Casamaggio today? Uh, probably going to go to my mom's. Yep, and then uh, to to my wife's parents' house. And uh, honestly, when I go to my mom's, it's it, I, I like this because. Uh, my wife is Ecuadorian, so we we have a nice contrast because I'm Italian and and how the Thanksgivings are run. So when I go to my mom's, uh, while she does do turkey and and you know obviously meat dishes that I don't partake in as I am vegan now um, or vegetarian mostly anyway. But my mom makes a lot of pastas, so we have a lot of pasta. Like nice. she'll make generally lasagna. Nice. For some strange reason, to go with all the traditional. No, I, I like a Thanksgiving lasagna. I'm a big me, Italian on Thanksgiving guy. Listen, listen, Anthony. Me too. But, <laughs> but you know how much I enjoy Thanksgiving because you also enjoy Thanksgiving oh, as much as me. Oh, my favorite and, day of the year. And, and when you have to plan on having three to four plates, the lasagna is almost two plates in and of itself. And it is dangerous because nobody can resist lasagna. No. Lasagna is delicious. So you're not going to take a sliver of lasagna. No, no, you're not. You're going to take a nice corner slab, plop it down in your plate, eat it, and then decide if you want to go back for another, which you always do. You always go back for the second. Yeah, I, I tend to open up with lasagna. Like, I'll do my Italian plate first and get you know get it out of the way because lasagna is going to be so heavy. And then I'll, I'll, then I'll go in and, you know, because I could eat, you know, a pot of mashed potatoes for days or some mac and cheese or something like that. Like, that's no problem. It's all the red sauce. I got to get out of the way first. That's fair. And uh, I mean, mostly what I look forward to, to be honest with you, is uh, the stuffing and the sweet potatoes. I'm a big sides guy. Yeah. yeah. And I I think all the auxiliary pieces. Are you a stovetop stuffing kind of guy? Um, I'm really just not picky, to be quite honest with you. With with stuffing, I've had it. Again, I don't eat meat now, but my mom used to do like a sausage one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's, that's a good pretty, move. Yeah, I mean that's pretty traditional. Of, I, I, but I, I love the box stuffing. I, the I box love, stuffing. Yeah, that's just uh, the way to go with it. You had it with the cranberries in it. Oh yeah, yeah. You that's know what? All right, let me get let me get your take on on this real quick. Cranberry sauce. Are, right. are you out on that jellied canned? Uh, Listen, you know? I've got I've got yelled at in the past for this. Um, and I've been getting yelled at for some of my Thanksgiving food takes, and I'll get to one now, which I'll see if you argue with me. But mm. um, I think cranberry sauce is trash. And it is an abhorred food that I love and live for. God, oh man, I love that 
can like the cheaper the can the better man now i will say and this again is is back to when i was eating meat um the only time i find cranberry sauce acceptable is a very 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 thin amount of it spread on a sandwich when mm, you do the great move. leftover sandwich great move that is it that but it's as, glue it's the glue that holds it together I, I, but again like i've seen people make those leftover sandwiches and they slab it on and i can yeah. for me it it needs to be just the lightest touch on a sandwich yeah i'll i'll do that but if i like i'll eat that shit right out of the can i don't give I a fuck i i, I don't and like I, I, do, I, I do agree that the canned stuff is better. Well, here's the thing: I forgot to pick it up. Homemade. I forgot to pick it up this year, and so uh, I had to have my girlfriend run out and get some more stuff uh, last night. And she went to Trader Joe's, and I was like, "Can you just pick me up some cranberry sauce?" And she was just like, "Okay, weirdo." But uh, uh, she got like a jar of it from there, and I've never seen it in a jar. I've only ever seen it in the can. Like I like when it's got the can rings around it and everything. It adds some character to it. Uh, so I'm a little nervous about it, but. It's not going to be the main course today. I made some dank mac and cheese last night. Uh, mac and cheese is always. Oh, it's always. I make it every year. And like we do with my roommates here, we do. Uh, we try to incorporate bacon into as much as possible on Thanksgiving. Fair. So um, a lot of bacon in there. I got a couple of different kinds of cheeses. It's going to be great. I made it last night. I got to bake it today. It's going to be. It's going to be primo. Four. Okay. Four bottles of red wine. Let's. Uh, Let's get this day going, right? All right. So two quick uh, Thanksgiving food takes for you. Yeah. Are you in or out on Thanksgiving ham? I'm in on Thanksgiving ham. I am way out. I think I'm, ham I'm a ham, but I'm a, trash. I'm a baked ham fan. I'm a noted fan of, of any. I mean, I, I also worked in delis for a long time, so ham takes aren't, uh, you know, I, I, I can eat ham without any real vitriol here, but uh but right. I, I do like a really good glazed ham. I think it kind of breaks up the Thanksgiving spread a little bit. It helps me take a little bit less of that dry-ass turkey on my plate. Um, I was never a fan of turkey. But being completely honest, even when I, I ate meat, I was never a big turkey guy. Like, I would eat <coughs> one to two slices of it yeah. just because I, I felt it was obligatory and um, I had to. But generally, I'm hammering pasta and sides. Is is how my day. I, I agree. With that. I, I just I just abuse, I abuse the sides, the mac and cheese, the pasta, the lasagna. But that, that's what it's for. Uh, the stuffing. That's I what just, it's for. I, that's what Thanksgiving yeah. is. But but the turkey I was never really in on, and then ham. I, I've been out on ham even before I gave up meat. Uh, so I just I can't. It it never tasted good to me. I don't get why people enjoy it. But again, I'm, I'm a big ham whip. Like I'm not like slices of ham. Like I'm not just gonna go for. But I'm a ham and eggs kind of guy. I'll do, uh, I'll do, uh, you know, a little bit of glazed ham. I, I'm, I could live without a Thanksgiving ham, but you better get me a Christmas ham. Okay, fair. Don't agree, but fair. Fair. And and my last food take for you here is, what is the worst pie to eat on Thanksgiving, and why is it pecan pie? Now, I I know you were going to say pecan pie here, and I I don't I don't really. I, in fact, I don't even think we have a Thanksgiving pie this year that we're going to do. But, uh, you know, I, I'm probably more of a fan of, uh, of you know, the, the triple berry kind of pie. I, I like a good, uh, I like a good fruit-filled pie. I don't mind a pecan pie, though. Pie. And there was one that you, you put up on, on Twitter or whether it was in Slack or something where it was uh, chocolate bourbon pecan. That sounds delicious to me. I'd eat a slice of that in a heartbeat. 
What do you, what are you, uh, why, why are you so out on pecan pie? Listen, and I, I've been with all my takes. I always, I always try to be open-minded. I'm going to get the jokes off first, but then I'm going to be open-minded. So I, I almost got ratioed on that take, which is impressive because I don't have the, the clout, if you will, to be mega ratioed. I'm not popular enough to have tons of people dunking on me regularly, but you love it when you do. Um, but I think that it's trash. I, I just think it's like eating sugary, buttery rocks. It's just like eating sugar gravel, if, if you will. And I had a number of people reach out and say, you know, you just haven't had a good one yet. Or this is how I make mine. This is why it's, why it's a good one. And uh, I want to read through some of those replies really quick. But um, it's just the ones that I have had have just never been good. They just simply have not, for whatever reason, it, there's either been too much sugar and butter, or I, I don't know what the correct way to have it is, because every time I've had it, it just simply has not been good. But to your point about a lot, I had a couple people reach out to me talking about the bourbon that they put in with it. So maybe that's a way for it to be saved. I don't know. I can't tell you the ones that I've eaten and why... Uh, those were terrible or what was used to make them. But the times that I've eaten them, they have been pretty, pretty terrible. Look, man, I'll give it to you. I don't, I, I don't, I don't have, uh, I don't have that heavy of a, uh, of pie takes on Thanksgiving because I just, I can never make it to dessert on Thanksgiving. Like I just, I am, it's all about the sides. It's all See? about the sides. Fuck, I don't think I've had... Oh, man. I hope they bought gravy. One guy here said, I make mine like the one you mentioned. He said, I make mine with chocolate, bourbon, and maple syrup. Changes the equation. Oh, that sounds delicious. That maple syrup seems like everything you need in there. Now, I don't know that I would particularly enjoy that, but I think when I know that those are the ingredients, I would be open to trying it. But the ones that I've had, I don't think that that's what was used to be made with it. And uh, a lot of people didn't seem to like it. My favorite reply yesterday that I got to that take was, with all due respect, fuck off into the sun. So, <laughs> so fair, fair, stern, but fair. But uh, yeah, I, for me, I'm just a big sweet potato pie. Um, I'll eat sweet potato pie. pie is so good. Um, I, I don't really have any. I know it's supposed to be sacrilegious to say pumpkin over sweet potato. And I, I think sweet potato is better, but uh, they're not really all that. Different. Love a good pumpkin pie. Yeah, so I, I, either one of those is fine with me. Uh, I'll, I'll take any fruit pie, to be honest with you. Blueberry, yep. triple berry. Yep. Cherry, cherry is a good classic. Apple pie. I'll fuck with an uh, apple pie. That's a, you know, It takes pie. a little bit of the edge off. But that's that's pretty much... I mean, I don't really have any... Oh, key lime pie is trash, but that's not a Thanksgiving pie, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, uh, mess with key lime. That's, that, that, that's about it. That's Those are my scorching food takes. I think ham yep. is trash. And I think pecan pie is trash. But outside of that, I think everybody generally enjoys the same foods. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't have anywhere further to go really with it. I got, you know, we have our disagreements, but generally, I'm not, I'm not going to fight you too hard on it, man. It's Thanksgiving. It's, it's just all eat. Yeah, so it's, it's all about. All right, you want to plug a couple of things to get out of here? Yep. So just make sure you uh, obviously visit thenextwall.com, uh, Anthony and or a little team of web support folks um, put together a nice new theme. Yep. We've been building one a couple months ago, but you know, we did it over and it really just looks 
top-notch and clean and sensational. So yeah, and uh, I'm so much happier with this one. Yeah, it's 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 a lot cleaner. Uh, most of you guys, when you visit the site, you're doing it mobile. Um, the the new mobile outlet uh, layout is is a lot cleaner, a lot more responsive. So you guys should enjoy that. But the desktop, um, I, I I almost make it a point to wait to read stuff from our site until I can go to the desktop because I just enjoy that experience better because it's just so, so, so clean now. But um, so obviously make sure you check and you know the deal. Uh, We have daily features and content that come out all original. So uh, take a look as always. Uh, We need that support. Make sure with this podcast, you guys give us a nice five-star rating, leave a nice review. We have noticed that those have been going up lately when Mm -hmm. we've been asking. So thank you. Thank you. Please continue to do that. Uh, We're always going to have a new listener here and there. So for those of you who are new here, welcome. Happy Thanksgiving. But uh, if you enjoyed this, which I hope you did, let us know. Uh, Leave us a nice review and a five-star rating. Outside of that. And uh, yeah, we got, uh, you know, you can follow our podcast account at TKW Podcast. Uh, you know, he's at Kyle Maggio and at wish I was Corbo. Uh, do we still have to put at in front of our handles these days? Uh, it's 2018. Anyway, uh, we're, you know, we're not hot shots or anything. You, you, if you got something you disagree with us here, just hit, just hit us up. We'll argue with you. We got nothing better to do. Yep. And, uh, last thing, make sure you go check out our T public store. So we've been tweeting out the links. Uh, we have a nice little sale for you guys mm. uh, for Thanksgiving, Black Friday week, as expected. So make sure you get your holiday shopping done with us. We got our new jersey line that's out. Got most of the players on there. Uh, you know, we got ISO Zoe. We got whole team dot. We got the unicorn, the French prints. Um, if you don't see somebody on there and, and you want them there, let us know. But it's a, it's a nickname jersey line. We got a lot. We have a lot of the classics still available. The KPU up, the Chris Tims, Porzingis, where it's KP wearing some Tims. We have uh, Take That for Data with Fizdale, mm-hmm. the John Starks Dunk shirt, which has been uh, the oh, best seller so far. Man, I'm I know wearing that right now. Yep. Yep. And I mean, it's a great design. So, I mean, we just got a lot. You, you guys know the deal from last year. And if you're new here, make sure you go take a, take a look when we tweet the link out a few times today. But uh, just get your holiday shopping done. You, you're a Knicks fan. Yep. You're going to want that gear. Make sure you tell someone to buy it for you. And, bought, and, you, and you know Knicks fans, so make sure you buy it for that. I, I outfitted my whole family last year for Christmas with TKW merch. It was well-received. It was well-received. Yep. Uh, so everything's 30% off, so make sure you go in it. and uh, really take advantage. Because yeah, I'm not going to say it's pricey otherwise, but when it's it's just you got to wait for the sales, yeah. to be honest. Oh, so no. I mean, Dude, get, Wait for the sales. Stock up then. Save on shipping. That's the way you want to do it. Yep. Um, all right. Anything else, bud? No, that's all. Just all right. Happy Thanksgiving yep. to you. And your happy family, Thanksgiving to everyone. Listening. Shout out to uh, to T Public. Shout out to all of you and your beautiful families. Shout out to Puma Hoops. Shout uh, out to Puma Hoops. And uh, the game. Yeah, incredible. Uh, all right, and we will talk to you all after. Sunday's game against the... Who are we playing on Sunday? Whatever. We'll talk to you after Sunday's game. Alright, have All a right. good one, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. See you Happy later. Happy Thanksgiving. Later.